When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. was in another lifetime, one of toil and blood, when blackness was a virtue and the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. And if I pass this way again, you can rest assured. I'll always do my best for her, on that I give my word. In a world of steel-eyed death and men who are fighting to be warm, come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the Freewheeling Rob Kelly, and joining us once again is my pal and fellow podcaster, Henry Bernstein. Hi, Henry. Hey, Rob. I can't believe I'm back. I'm happy to have you back. Uh, of course, the last time you were on the show, we were talking about seeing Bob Dylan in concert. Uh, remember concerts? Oh my remember gosh. that? Remember that was a thing? I think it was. I think it was. It was either the last concert I went to or. Maybe there was one other, but I'm pretty sure it's the last thing I saw live, which if I'm going to go out like that, no better man to, to do it with. I, yeah, that's true. I mean, there was that meme going around about the, the, the last concert you saw was the person you're trapped uh, in quarantine oh, with. I'd be like, hey, you'd be trapped with Bob Dylan. That would be awkward, but it'd be kind of fun, too. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, who was Mr. Jones, Bob? Come on, tell me. Right. Uh, every but, day. but yes, yeah, every, every day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm happy to have you back. This is very exciting because we're here to talk about a song as opposed to, as we as we just mentioned, the, seeing Bob live. And not only, not any song, but really one of the great Bob Dylan songs of all time off of one of probably the greatest Bob Dylan album of mm -hmm. all time. Maybe we can discuss that. Shelter from the Storm the penultimate song from from 1975's blood on the tracks i mean geez henry where do you want to start with this one? Oh my gosh well okay so first of all i'm honored to be talking with you about this song like the fact that you didn't save it first of all that you hadn't done it yet is amazing and second of all that you didn't save it for like laura and definitely dylan or something like you know i feel <laughs> i feel chosen but you know i uh i sort of boiled this down into several categories uh if i may go right ahead all right so there's recording, the recording and recordings of it. I have uh, a book which talks about the recording of that, uh, the lyrics, live performances, and then how it relates to you, me personally. That's sort of how I thought of this in terms of organization. What do you think? I like it. I, I saw that picture you posted on Twitter of all the books you had out. I mean, that's a that's more reference than I tend to do on the show. So let yeah, let's let's start with the recording. One of the things that I uh, was so surprised at when the after the release of More Blood, More Tracks, the Bootleg Series Volume Fourteen. One of the things I didn't realize. I mean, I've done a lot of reading about. Uh, Bob Dylan's recording sessions. I mean, there's that Clinton Halen book and stuff like that. I always thought I didn't realize that there were this many uh, versions of it. But the the more blood, more track shows that Bob really, uh, among all the songs in the, the Blood on the Tracks, really tried a lot of different approaches on all these songs. And so that was very that was revelatory to me that there were this many different takes of it uh and it's it's it says something about his stick to sort of that he he knew how good this material was and how hard he worked at, at crafting and finding the best sort of well maybe you know i guess it would depend on your your point of view but sort of the best version of the song to finally put on the record yeah i mean and you can't divorce the recording of shelter from the storm from the recording of blood on the tracks which 
was, you know, the fact that it was recorded and then recorded again because for whatever reason, he just didn't like it. And the truth is the final recording of all these songs, the album, it, it, to me, it's the best Bob Dylan album he's ever written. Um, I think it's one of the greatest albums, period, of all time. And, you know, the fact that he did it so many times, he's working stuff out in Blood on the Tracks, and that's very clear. And I, I know you, you guys talked about that on the Tangled Up and Blue episode. But there, there's pain and, and heartache and perseverance and, you know, mountain climbing in this album. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you get to the end, to a certain extent, there's some relief. But, yeah, I mean, this, this was recorded... I read in this book, um, A Simple Twist of Fate, Bob Dylan and the Making of Blood on the Tracks by Andy Gill and Kevin Odegaard. And this was chosen over Up to Me, which we've heard back from Biograph and we've heard on um, certainly on, on the More Blood, More Tracks. And that makes sense. It's a you know, it's sim it's a similar song, but it's better. Hmm. It, you OK. So you say that. You think that Shelter from the Storm is a better song than Up to Me? I I'm not saying do. it isn't, but I'm just curious. Okay. I do. I, right. I think like I think Bob made the right choice. It's Up to Me. You know, there was a when I discovered Up to Me, I couldn't stop playing it, and I was obsessed with it, and I couldn't believe it wasn't on the album. But you know, I sort of get it now. But you know, he he was trying stuff out. You know, there's the acoustic guitar version with the harmonica opening that's on the Jerry Maguire soundtrack, and I think it's one of the takes on More Blood Note tracks. And then, of course, there's the main one, which has that deep bass going through it, which, you know, he went, he scrapped the whole thing in New York and went to Minnesota and recorded with some guys that his brother put together. It's amazing. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Uh, I, it's, I, I mean, I would agree. Blood on the Tracks, I would, I, I mean, I, oh boy, I would hate to be like, there is one best Bob Dylan album, but I, if, if there is such a thing, I'd have to give it to Blood on the Tracks. I mean, I always think that there was room on the record for Up to Me, but that's probably <laughs> it's a whole other mm -hmm. discussion. And we did cover that song on, on this show a while back. One of the things I love about this song, and I love this song completely, is its location on the record. Mm -hmm. Uh, is that, of course, after uh, the sort of real sort of searing pain of Meet Me in the Morning, and then you have this sort of sideways uh, alley you know, alley trip down to Lily Rosemary and the Jack of Hearts, mm -hmm. and uh, if you see her, say hello. And you, then all of a sudden you get this song, which is a lot more reflective and a lot warmer. I mean, he's literally got the word warm in it. Right. But it's just a lot, it's a lot kinder. It's just a lot, like you feel like the, the anger... Uh, has subsided a bit, and now it's this more. He's painting this uh, picture of this woman who is this sort of angel of hearth kind of thing, and it's just a much. It's a much warmer. I keep I keep using that word twice here, but it it really is this kind of just more generous view mm -hmm. of the person in question, and it seems that the narrator in this question is going after his own failings. Uh, more accurately than maybe some of the other songs where he's more accusatory. And I, I like that. I, it's as the penultimate song on the the record, it's kind of a nice, like, okay, yeah, maybe this really was me in a lot of ways. Maybe this is the, I'm the, the, I'm the reason that we're here in this particular spot. The song shelter from the storm is the shelter from the storm. That is blood on the tracks up until this point, you, you know, clawing through, you know, if you make it through idiot wind, which is, a, I mean, I'm saying it's an amazing <laughs> song, but like emotionally making it through idiot wind, you deserve shelter from the storm. And of course, of course, Buckets of Rain at the end, which is just so lovely. Can I read a little excerpt from this book sure, exactly about what you're talking about? Another, another brilliant shift of gears dispels the lump in the throat left by If You See Her Say Hello, with the more melodramatic flourishes of Shelter from the Storm, shifting 
vertiginously from personal intimacy to mythic allegory. Gone is the bruised and tender narrator of the preceding song, replaced by a haunted figure plucked from chaos and impending doom by a salvatory Madonna-like figure. And I just thought that was such a beautiful way of describing its placement. Um, you know, much like you said, that that warmth. And then, you know, and, and again, th- this person in there, he's got a lot of problems, too, much like mm-hmm. everyone else who's been on the album. So, uh, you know, it's not like, you know, there's some there's some dark violence in this, too. You know, he's not he's sort of not through it yet. Um, you know, and obviously the imagery of uh, Jesus with the crown of thorns and well, I guess then we're getting into lyrics, but, <laughs> you know, but a placement on the album, I think, really matters. I think that that was purposeful. Yeah, I mean, it, it, so the song has such a mythic quality to it. And yet it is such a quiet, like, again, I love Dylan's vocal on it. Mm. It's so sort of quiet. I mean, I, I can't help but move on to the lyrics where he says, I was burned out from exhaustion, buried in the hail, poisoned in the bushes and blown out on the trail, hunted like a crocodile, ravaged in the corn. Kaminchi said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Suddenly I turned around and she was standing there with silver bracelets on her wrists and flowers in her hair. She walked up to me so gracefully and took my crown of thorns. Kaminchi said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. And something that I, it took me a long time to sort of notice with this song. And I feel maybe a little, little stupid that I didn't notice mm-hmm. it before, before then. But like, is with the refrain is that every verse ends with come in. She said, mm-hmm. I'll give you shelter from the storm is the narrator never really gets anywhere. Right. Uh, you know, like he keeps being, he keeps getting offered this comfort from the woman. And yet he doesn't seem to ever take it uh, because she keeps offering it to him. And you would think, well, if he'd taken it, what, what does she need to keep offering? And it's, there's a kind of just wonderful melancholy to that is that this guy is out there thrashing, around and he seems desperate for this woman's protection and yet he never quite seems to be able to accept it and that's sort of you know if you know anything about dylan and his his you know the way in which he relates to relationships that sounds very familiar at least what we know we don't know what's going on truly but you know and, and is is obviously is she sarah is this person sarah or is it everyone that he's attempted to do you know i mean is is this a whole history for him um and I, I wanted to I wanted to touch on one of the things you said about how you love his voice in this. Um, 1974 to 76 Dylan voice is my favorite Dylan voice because mm-hmm. he has this ability to sing so softly and sweetly, but howl. And like, for example, the way he, he even in, um, for example, in suddenly I turned around. Right. So, you know, you know, that part of the song, it just comes down and it's so soft with the suddenly I turned around. And she was saying there silver bracelets and then you know when he he just powers up she walked up to me so gracefully ravaged in the core you know or that was, mm. that's a different uh verse but you know what i mean um the way in which he howls that last part you forget that um a second ago you were like sort of lullaby you know um rocked into a lullaby the way he's singing and but he's also howling on this and uh, like on m- much of the album. So I don't know how he's able to do that, you know, and, and, I, and I hate, and that's why I hate when people rag on his voice because yeah. that is, th- this album has exceptional singing the, there. I, I could listen to this album and I have, and I do listen to this album <laughs> as soon as it ends, just start it right over. He, the way he can roll words around in his mouth and stretch some words. I mean, I guess that's, that's what singing is, but I'm always been impressed by that is that he can sort of find the way to where, what words are the words to kind of press on, which ones are the ones 
to lean on mm-hmm. and other ones that are a little more on the mumble side or just quieter. And again, with the, the lyrics, it's amazing how much of the story he leaves out sort of because i mean the next yeah. verse he goes to now there's a wall between us yeah. something there's been lost i took too much or granted got my signals crossed just to think that it all began on an uneventful morn here on the on the actually and bob dylan says long forgotten morn, right right uh which is again he's always tinkering with these songs right but i mean it's amazing now there's a wall between us you're like wait where did that come you from ju- like i mean suddenly you just turned around what do you mean how could yeah possibly- you just right. met her a verse ago what are you talking about and yet and he you know it's i think it's by then in this at least in this song it's the the not filling in the details that leads the listener to lean in you know and sort of and it gives you at least for me the space to kind of imagine your own situation if you've ever experienced something like this it gives you that room to sort of plant and say well that all right yeah i remember that even though he doesn't spell out the details of how, what? How did the wall go up? What happened? This woman was just took your crown of thorns a second ago. What? What's going on? And this is one of those songs where lyrically it's both brilliant and very easy to write lyrics to it. Like if you want, like as a fun activity, uh, <laughs> my friends at camp, uh, we uh, we were, we'd sit around for hours playing this song, and my friend Ben in particular, and we just make up lyrics to the song because everything and it ends the same way, and right, you know. Right. But, you know, there even the, the outtake lyric from uh, More Blood, More Tracks is now the bonds are broken, but they can be retied by one more journey to the woods, the holes where spirits hide. It's a never ending battle for a piece that's always torn. Come in. She said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Like, why didn't that go in there? You know, that's an incredible yeah, lyric. Yeah. It's um, like you said, the way, you know, how he knows which buttons to push, which to take out. It's it's incredible. It's yeah. It's 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 one hundred percent one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, that that version. I, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll go back to the lyrics of the of the uh, the re- released version. But I do want to talk about that that alternate version. Uh, I first heard that one, the one with that verse that you just quoted. By the way, that is such an amazing verse. I, I mean, know. My God, uh, never ending battle. I mean, just what a what a term. Great um, Superman '90s reference there. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Superman in there. Um, but the 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 first I. Um, I saw Jerry Maguire uh, in the theater ten times. It is the oh, movie wow. I have. It is the movie I have seen the most times in any in, in the theater. Uh, there was a when I. The, I will say the movie hasn't aged terribly well. I watched it not that long ago, and I was like, mm, okay. But at the time, I loved it, and me and a friend of mine both loved it, and we would go see it. We worked together, and every, we would just go see it every week. It played forever. And we just kept going. Um, in fact, we saw the very last showing at the local theater before they got rid of it on the Thursday night before <laughs> the movies came in on a Friday. But anyway. What did you um, love about it so much? I, I mean, it, at the the point that I was at in my life in 1996, it, it I had – okay. I had come out of a – I had come out of a, a relationship and I was feeling very damaged and mm-hmm. very battered around. And that, that's – I related to Jerry, you know? I mean, Jerry was really struggling in that movie mm-hmm. and I felt like that. And I will say when I watched that movie and I still think it's a good movie. It just it, It's not 10 times in the theater good. Right. But anyway, but in, when I saw that uh, movie for the very first time and it ends and has that nice ending where they, they you know, they walk – literally walk off in the sunset and it has that great moment moment where uh have you seen it i should uh, ask you yeah a million it? times okay. <laughs> okay there you go yeah. so i love all the interstitials with the the agent 
the the guy who's talking directly to the camera, mm-hmm. uh, the late the late great I forget the name of the character that the, the Jerry's longtime mm-hmm. pal. Mm-hmm. But the movie ends with that guy, and he says, you know, uh, I I failed as much as I've succeeded, uh, you know, but I I got to tell you, I love my life, I love my wife, and I wish you. My kind of success. And that's the end of the movie. And then it cuts to this song. And in 1996, hearing Bob Dylan songs on movie soundtracks was still a little rare. Yeah. It didn't happen all that much. So all of a sudden, my ears perked up. You know, I was like, oh, wow. Shelter from the Storm. What a great. I already love this movie. And it's ending with a Bob Dylan song. How perfect could it be? But I remember listening, sitting in the theater and listening to this song. And then, of course, I by this point, I had heard Blood on the Tracks four billion times. Oh, wow. And so I knew it all just completely, you know, knew it dead cold. And then this verse comes up and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you know, what is this? You know what I mean? And I bought the Jerry Maguire soundtrack just to get this song because I was like, there's an alternate version of Shelter from the Storm I didn't know about. And, you know, it's all that that sense of discovery was just amazing. And I always sort of credit Jerry Maguire for introducing that to me because I was like, I didn't know there was an alternate version with an alternate verse. And yeah, like anything else with Bob, I wish he had left that verse in because that, that verse is incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just, and the idea again, the, the bonds are broken, but they can be retied by one more journey to the, the holes where spirits hide again. What an amazing image that is. But, um, I mean, that's just I an get, amazing, even just those first few words is an incredible yeah. image that the bonds are broken, but they can be retired. Like, it's so obvious of a, of a thing you'd think to to say, but it, it, the way he says it, it's it's just so perfect. Yeah. I mean, this idea that there could be some sort of reconciliation, but it's just it's just kind, kind of like just a little bit out of reach from from the protagonist. And there's just something so beautifully sad about it. Yeah. And then. Again, in the, the 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 released version of the song, and then we start getting into these these characters that are wandering in and out of the story, and none of them are named in particular, but they're they're sort of coming in and out. It's like, well, the deputy walks on hard nails, and the preacher rides a mount, but nothing really matters much. It's doom alone that counts. Wow. And the one-eyed undertaker, he blows a futile horn. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. I've heard newborn babies wailing like a morning dove and old men with broken teeth stranded without love, which to me feels like the guy from Simple Twist of Fate. Mm. Do I understand your question, man? Is it hopeless and forlorn? Come in, she said. I'll give you a shelter from the storm. And I mean, I love who is the man who's talking? Who is like all right. of a sudden? I thought you were the, we're, right. yeah, I thought you were the man. We're introduced to all these people. But I mean, the juxtaposition I, I, of the babies wailing and the old men with broken teeth. Yeah. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's like it's, you know, kind of pain at the beginning and pain at the end kind of. It's just Uh like, oh, my Lord. It's again, it's just such profound sadness in this thing. And yet again, with the the vocal performance, there's this and the the chugging along of the of the instrumentation, the very soft instrumentation of it. I mean, people have been debating ever since the record came out about whether the original versions that were recorded in New York should have been the ones he left. And apparently some of Bob's. Uh, musician friends said they preferred the, the the more skeletal versions of the song, but I I I can't argue that this is not the the, the you know this was the right choice. It was to re-record it with the Minneapolis music. Absolutely. I mean, look, the, when more blood, more tra- uh, more tracks came out, I, I almost weeped because I was so happy. I mean, this was for anyone that's been like a Dylan bootleg, a file. And, you know, since bootleg series started, every, you know, everyone wanted where, where are the, the blood on the, blood on the tapes, blood on the tapes, because that was the name of the bootleg. 
Right. And I think there's another name for it too. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's passed around, but that, oh yeah, we're going to give you, you know, six tracks of all of them. You know, I mean, this was heaven. And I, you know, poured over this for weeks and weeks. I listened to every track, which was exhausting. <laughs> and then at the end of it, I was like, blood on the tracks is the perfect album. Like it's, it's still to me, it's still they Dylan made the right call. Yeah. Uh, and then he wraps up the song with in a little hilltop village, they gambled for my clothes. I bargained for salvation and she get, and they gave me a lethal dose. By the way, here in the, uh, I'm pretty sure in the, the, the song, the, the version on the record, he says, she gave me a lethal mm-hmm. dose. And here on the, in the BobDillon.com, right. it says, they gave me a lethal dose, which seems like a small but fairly significant change. It was uh, more often, ambiguous with pronouns. In the, right, the sh- yeah. I offered up my innocence and I got repaid with scorn. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. And then he wraps it up with, well, I'm living in a foreign country, but I'm bound across the line. Beauty walks a razor's edge. Someday I'll make it mine. If I can only turn back mm-hmm. the clock to when God and her were born. <laughs> come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. I've said on previous episodes, I said, it just in the, the the one I did just before this with, with Tara Zook about uh, False Prophet. Bob can really turn somebody's head when he wants to. Yeah. You know, I mean, I want to turn back the clock to when – imagine saying to a woman and being able to say it with confidence, I would turn back the clock to when, when you and God were born. Oh, <laughs> I mean – Pretty big thing to say to somebody. Yeah, yeah. How did he think of that lyric? I mean, these, these yeah. just every single line in this song is just a killer. It just like it it just gets right into you. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> the final the, this final verse is actually my favorite of the song and the line about I just I'm living in a foreign country but I'm bound across the line. Beauty walks a razor's edge. Someday I'll make it mine. And I always took that, and I'd you know, love to know what you think about this. But I've always took it as the narrator at this particular point. He has. This 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 woman who keeps trying to get him to come in, he's already abandoned her. Uh, he's moved on, and he says the, this this promise of beauty walks the rager says someday I'll make it mine. It's it's like a promise he's making to himself that he kind of knows he's not going to f- fulfill because he's already failed at this other thing. Like you know, he's kind of like, well, I already screwed this one up, but the next one, someday I'll make it mine. You know, I, I, I'm going to get it on the next try. <laughs> right. And it's almost like somebody who's just completely fooling themselves. Self delusional. Yeah. Yeah. Self. It's just so beautifully sad about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think uh, you know, he's certainly this is a, an occasion where he's taken us to the end of this road, whatever this road was that we were on for this song. We're at the end. He's telling us now where he is. You could look at beauty as as what what a perfect relationship or what the potential of this relationship is supposed to be and you know you're sort of walking a razor's razor's edge or beauty is her whoever she is and yeah that someday i'll make it mine it's like i'll I'll get it someday Mm -hmm. you're right Mm -hmm. like it's it he's not there yet um and he's and he, he thinks he'll get it in which case then maybe this isn't the end of the road and he's not looking he's just you know bounced over to a foreign country, wherever that is. But the fact that he turns back the clock, essentially, to the beginning of time, you know, because for him, this woman is his world for both bad and and good. And I think God obviously represents the beginning of the universe, right? So that he's equating them. The fact that he's thinking back about the past, like it's it's gone. He's he's not going to make it mine. Like he all of his chances are over. That's one that's one way I, th- I thought about it. 
what do you i mean all the other stuff that, that leads up to this uh that seems uh if you if you want to look at it this way a little bit discordant with what's going on in the song and i've said this on virtually uh, like probably every other episode of pod dylan is that all of bob's so many of bob's songs take place in this sort of weird pl- space where we're not really sure what time it is everything seems to be kind mm-hmm. of old timey i mean again you're, you're you're talking about being on a hilltop village gambling for clothes <laughs> i mean it, they're really do- well, I mean, a, undertaker yeah right? one eyed undertaker uh, yeah, there seems it's this universe of sort of cowboys or they're just it, we're not living in the modern world at the very least. Again, which is trying to he's trying to give the song the sense of scope. But I mean, it's it's interesting because those verses are always a little like I'm not I have a hard time sort of following what's going on here. But again, it doesn't it doesn't really matter because you're carried away by the again, the vocal performance and the, and the, the music itself. Well, do you think I, I was wondering I was thinking about this as I've been researching this week and thinking about sort of thinking about the song. Do you think and I, I re-listened to your episode uh, about Tangled Up in Blue and I was I was thinking, is this the same character like is Blood on the Tracks? a shared universe with itself. <laughs> like, is it the MCU of, of Bob? <laughs> you know, like, like is the, are the characters that are in Tangled Up in Blue, the same characters in Shelter from the Storm? I, I've always thought that it's, it is one story, the whole album going through, but I don't know. What do you think? Is, is this the same person, woman, people, you know, as, as you know, the, the few tracks before or, and in between. Um, I've, n- I have never taken it as that i've mm-hmm. i've never looked at it that this is one person i feel like there is something here of this is yeah this is not all the same person because i don't think bob is the same person i think he regards himself as the same person i think he's reg- i think each narrator each person in the song the one who was singing except for of course the lily rosemary and the jack of hearts of that is in its own way as well um it's it's some version of the man himself, this is what this person went through. And I have some relation to that because, of course, I'm the person that did it. Mm-hmm. But I, it, it's no, the, the, in a literal sense, no, they are not all the same person. This is these different people experiencing different things at different points in their life, all related to love and relationships and how they are affecting the people. But no, I didn't take it as mm. uh, that. It's just one guy going through all this or that the characters are, are interrelated. Now, of course, supposedly there's a movie uh, in pre- getting slowly made. I guess nothing's getting made nowadays, but mm. I mean, but there's this movie that's going to be worked on that, which is going to uh, upend that whole n- notion is that the blood on the tracks is some sort of, you know, n- long narrative form story. Uh, I'll be interested to see that if it ever gets made. But no, I never, I never took it that way. I always cringe when I hear Bob Dylan movie being made. Like, but I mean, so far, I mean, you know, I'm not there as amazing. So I think, but um, yeah, (laughs) that that worries me. A Blood on the Tracks movie, like (laughs) Let let Sleeping Dogs Lie. Um, Yeah, it's uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's because I I try and reconcile. It's it's the guy who um, the, the guy who is singing this this. The, the narrator in this mm-hmm. song mm-hmm. to me it's like that person has is is trapped somewhere i mean again the line about I'm living in a foreign country and i'm bound across the line is sort of trapped somewhere and knows that they're going to get into sort of some sort of romantic trouble however you want to take that again and and is i think despite how warm the song is ends i think puts the guy in a bad place and then the person who follows up in buckets of rain is not quite is 
is just as sad, but is more um, uh, realistic about what is in front of them. I'd say. I think. Interesting. Uh, I think. I think the buckets of rain person is like a, you know, Kesara Sarah kind of thing, and that's how the record ends. But this, I th- always think this person is kind of you know, a little bit fooling themselves. And, and, you know, we can talk about the, the, this song of course has been altered in great many oh ways in live performances. Great and, segue, Rob. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, after 125 episodes, finally getting into hang um, I will say that when I was getting into Bob, uh, early on in the, in the nineties and I was gobbling up, uh, records back to the guy they were on cassette. That's how old I am. Um, I had no frame of reference for which ones I should buy first, so I was just sort of buying what I could find. Mm-hmm. And one of the first records I ever bought after Blood on the Tracks was Hard Rain. Yeah, Hard Rain. Hard Rain. Right. In, and, uh, in all I, caps, by the way. Right, yes. <laughs> and it features Shelter from the Storm on it. And this was really one of the early instances where I started to appreciate how different, how much I was in for with this guy. Because I was like, you know... He does Shelter from the Storm on that record. And I'm like, wait, this is the same song? Mm -hmm. Because it is 180 degrees from the version we hear on Blood on the Tracks. And dear God, I love it. I mean, I yeah. that rocked up punch punk version yes. of of Shelter from the Storm. And I just it it boggles the mind to me that less than what, two years separate the writing and the performing of that version of Blood of the Tracks to this, it just seems like that would take a lifetime to get to. And yet here we are. It, it's just like it's a virtually un- unrecognizable as the same song. Okay, so I have so many things to say about that. I'm so glad you brought up Hard Rain. First of all, yes, the version of it, I mean, that just absolutely is killer. That it's killer and he talk about howling now obviously so okay so when i heard this same thing i was just gobbling up bob dylan albums this is about in about 2000 2001 uh those like old columbia record house things you know where <laughs> you just buy you know so like you know 15 dylan albums for one cent each right if you buy one at full price so i was like hard rain whatever buddha can't you know all of them and i hear this i'm like what is this I didn't learn till much later. Remember, this came out before the Rolling Thunder, any official Rolling Thunder release came out. So I didn't even know that this was the back end of the Rolling Thunder tour after everything had fallen apart. Yeah. And and Shelter from the Storm, he did not play it on the first Rolling Thunder leg, at least from what I can tell. I mean, I you know I searched and searched and searched. So that means he hadn't even played it on. He hadn't even played the album version on tour yet. It was its debut must have been on that Hard Rain <laughs> tour, which is the second leg of Rolling Thunder, which is electric and, you know, that NBC special where they're in the rain. And, you know, anyway, that just blows my mind learning about it sort of retroactively. Because when you're like you said, when you're gobbling up Dylan albums, it's like, I'll take whatever I can get. Give me more, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and and then boom, you listen to Budokan and you're like, what is this? Mm-hmm. There's saxophone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I really dined out on the Hard Rain version. It's just so alive and so, so powerful, and the way he's spitting out the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And he also, uh, I already mentioned my favorite verse of the song is the final one, and in in the Hard Rain version, 
he even manages to kind of give it an extra little oomph where he sings. He says, you know, I'm living in just the way he again, he bends the words where he says, I'm living in a foreign country. He's like spinning it out, but I'm bound to cross line and beauty walks the ridges. And then he yells. He's like, someday I'll make it by like he yells it out. And it just sounds like you just said the word how it sounds like it is like the guy screaming into the void. It's earth shattering. You know, it is just, and I, again, I can, I can literally remember listening to it for the first time, that version and just being like, whoa, he can, he can do that. And it, it really did cement my love for this guy, you know, and, and just my, I, this idea that I had no, I just didn't know that songs could be that malleable. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to that point, I'd only really listened to a couple of, uh, you know, I just, li- just listened to different things that came across my path. I just didn't know that you could warp things that much. And then they could work equally in both ways. You know I mean? That, I mean, I could see that maybe you could do like, I mean, you, the, 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 the Budokan version. Okay. Interesting approach. Not my favorite. No, you know, like, all right, it's like, so okay, interesting you know, that whole album. You know, so but yeah, I mean, just the idea that he would just keep messing with it right. and and saying, "Let's just turn." And again, I never even thought about till you just said that. Yeah, the Blood and the Tracks version basically never got to be played live because right. by the time he went on tour, he was doing the big, you know, he was doing the Night of the Hurricane and stuff like that. So that version is to me is just transcendent. And again, you can't. It's like Godfather Two. It, you know, it it it, it needs Godfather One to exist. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, it's it's as good, if not better, because it just it, it it's so completely its own thing. Superman Two. There's a Superman <laughs> movie minute reference for it. You guys have said that many you times. Go. You know, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I, so I, I literally can remember where I was. I was sitting on my bed in college. It was my uh, freshman year of college. And I heard it. And I, again, like you said, I was gobbling up Dylan and I would call my friend. My, I, I really can credit my friend Josh Freed, who I called Jish, as getting me into Dylan in an obsessive way. And I remember calling him because there wasn't like texting back then or anything like that. I said, you didn't tell me about the hard rain version. He, he just goes, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm like, but he's shouting and there's electric guitar. And he's like, I know, I know. It's amazing. I know. Like we just kept talking. <laughs> like, it, it's like, oh, you're there. You've, you've heard the hard rain shelter from the storm now. Yeah. You know, you have, you have arrived my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Like I said, it, it's, it's just remarkable what he was able to do with it. And as a, as a song in concert, uh, it really hasn't gotten that many outings. He's pre performed it 376 times uh in in the intervening years that's really not very much considering it's it's a famous song i mean good lord you can hear it on television right now uh for uh, a commercial for zillow of all things uh right i mean i'm I'm like a dog with that stuff i can hear maybe two notes of a dylan song in a commercial and i'm like what and i'm like oh there it is okay it's he's using it for and you know they're using it in a very literal sense of course but i mean it's it's one of his most sort of, I would say, it's on Greatest Hits Volume Three, isn't it? Right, yeah. yeah. It's on. It's a, well, not Greatest Hits Volume. It's on the Essential Bob. Oh, Dylan. Essential. Okay, yeah. But again, that's an interesting choice because right. this was certainly not a single. No. Uh, you know, and yet somebody decided there's going to be if we're going to pull two songs off of Blood on the Tracks, one is of course Tangled Up in Blue, and you're going to pull this one. I thought that's an interesting choice. So it, I would argue, it's one of his more famous songs. 
Uh, it's been covered a bunch of a million times, of course, but yet he himself doesn't really seem to pull it out all that much. It was played last in 2015. There were some live versions you can hear on YouTube. Uh, they sound they sound actually the the versions uh, that you hear live are closer to the one on Blood on the right. Tracks in terms of the sort of softness to it. Right. But it's it's not something that he has done a lot with in the intervening years, which is it's just strange considering how how I guess I shouldn't say it's strange because Bob has known to be you know averse to giving the audience what it wants but i mean it's it's just not something he's played a lot which is too bad because it's 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 just a masterpiece of a song right i mean you know as i as i mentioned on the last time i was on our whole our whole subject was live seeing him live right this is my holy grail of songs to hear live you know like oh, yeah? If, yeah like if con- if concerts ever return and you know I, I don't know if i'll ever go to one again but if bob dill goes on tour you know just to, the chance to hear this live i've never heard it live you know and I, I missed it by i think a show or two in 2010 he played it at champaign oh. illinois and i just wasn't i couldn't drive three hours to see him for that on that particular day but <laughs> uh, from chicago but um yeah, I mean, if you go, if you Google it on a, or if you put it into YouTube, any of those years, the 2000 years, 2002, 2010, there's some great, great live versions of it because um, you've got that great backup band uh, really embellishing it and sort of like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing to me that it's only been performed under 400 times. Like that, this should be a cornerstone of, of Dylan Live, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like I said, it's. I guess when you have that many songs to pick from, you know, I mean, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna have yeah. so many great songs to pick from, you're gonna leave a lot of great ones behind. But yeah, it, it is. It, it's from Blood on the Tracks. I mean, like I think he's performed like Idiot Wind more than this, which was be surprising when you think about Idiot. You know, I know. Seems like much more well, that like was a daunting a, thing. I mean, that was a big song on Rolling Thunder. I mean, he was. Well, that's just he, true. He was working that song out basically, <laughs> um, but. I, you know, I was curious because I, I did listen to the Budokan version a few times today just to kind of, you know, and what what is your opinion on Budokan in general, like that tour, the 78 tour? Um, I mean, there are some there's some fun approaches to things, uh, but overall, it's not a sound that I I think is it works totally. I actually really like not to get off shelter from the storm too bad. Actually, this this is an accidental segue. Um, <laughs> my my favorite song on the Budokan live album is the version of Like a Rolling Stone. Uh, because I like the I like the way he bends the words in that mm-hmm. one, where there's there's this line about the I, I forget I don't even want to try and sing it because I'm going to embarrass myself. But the thing that actually uh, makes me think about Like a Rolling Stone when I listen to this song is the opening line because of course in Like a Rolling Stone it opens with Once Upon a Time, mm-hmm. which is you know sets it in this storybook land. Every kid knows the story and knows the story that opens with Once Upon a Time, and this song opens with Twas in Another Lifetime. Mm-hmm. And just the, using the word "twas," this per, you know, purposely old timey term, mm-hmm. uh, sets it again in this kind of unknown time. Mythical, I mean, fictional. Ob- yeah. Mythical, fictional. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the I should say obvious. I had to look it up because I don't know these things. But the the line, the shelter from the storm. That actual phrase is from the Bible. It's from Isaiah, I believe, four six. There will be a booth. For shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm right. and rain, hard rain, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, you know, it, this, so this song to me has that connection to like a Rolling Stone and that it, it is purposely setting it 
in a time frame that is indistinct from anything that the listener would really be familiar with. I don't get the sense this is a world of cars and telephones and even electricity. It's you know what it's I mean. Horse and, and I, buggy kind of. It's horse and buggy. Yeah, yeah right. There's you know you're it's, you're at you're at a hilltop and you're gambling for your clothes. I picture him. The, the character, obviously, I picture Bob Dylan and this whole album as the character, the main, you know, I picture him like he is in Pat Garrett movie. Yes. Like that yeah. guy. Um, yeah. That sort of, you know, the knife on his hip and horse and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. He's got the, the, uh, the three large. Yeah. He's got the three large knives and might contain multitude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Budokan is one of those records that I listened to and I went. Mm, yeah, most of these versions I can I can pretty much take or leave, mostly leave. But I also understand that, you know, the man has lived so many lives and has done so many different uh, versions of himself live that this is a valid approach like anything else. Why not try this big band version right. and see how that works out? The, I mean, well, the, how do you uh, feel? Neil how do you, not, the, yeah, the Neil Diamond, Diamond version. Yeah. How, many, how do you feel about it? You, you know, we talked about this last time. I, I can't say anything bad about you know like I, I like i love everything even the things i don't love um <laughs> uh i i i remember hearing it and it blowing my mind for the first time and it's a double album when you get it got it on cd so that was exciting mm-hmm. you know it looks gorgeous um the the idea of seeing a big spectacle of bob dylan with backup singers and horn section I love that idea, and I love that it comes at a period of time when he's coming out of something and about to go into something else. Mm. Um, the Christian period, like, what a way to work out whatever you're working out. Um, <laughs> but no, it is not a go-to album for me. Like, I hadn't listened to this Shelter from the Storm in gears until I did for this research. And then when you think about that, it's it's uh, the live album that follows Hard Rain, which is so tough and punk and kind of punchy and no frills in a lot of ways. Like it's just real bang, 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 bang. And then, then you all of a sudden are followed up with a double album where the production is huge or whatever. Um, again, the idea that for a song that he hasn't played very much and for a song that seems so um, quiet and intimate, a hard rain version, notwithstanding it's, it's interesting that he chose this one to try with that big band arrangement yeah, to so give silly, it that, yeah. to, to bro- broaden it out like that with the, you know, with these, horns and all the backup singers it's uh I, again it's it's just amazing to think what he hears in his head yeah. and that he can hear these things and ch- think let's try this and i know a lot of it is trial and error yeah. you know you try certain things and i mean certainly more blood more tracks has showed us that that there was a lot of false starts and right. kind of let's try that uh 30 seconds and now nah, let's stop and move this but right. again it's it's for a song that's not been played very much it appears on you know, for two live albums, that's a, that's kind of a lot. He does what he wants. We've said this before. And I, it's one of the things I love about him. He does not give a shit. Like he, if he wants to do a version of this song like that, he will do it. And for whatever reason, it popped into his head and he did it. And, you know, in its own little tiny universe, it's iconic because he did it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you you mentioned earlier that you know presumably that up to me was left off because in favor of this song. Uh, I mean, as much as I still think up to me should have. Anytime you record something as good as up to me, it belongs on a record. One hundred percent, totally. Um, 
still, you can't fault blood on the tracks. You would never want to alter it in any way. Uh, and, and you know what? I mean, we're judging it from a different point of view. I mean, it Shelter from the Storm could have more accurately presented what he wanted to say right. uh, as opposed to what we wanted to hear necessarily. And I mean, he might have said, that's that's what I that's what I want at this point in the record. And that's where it's going to come in and in, in between uh, these two shorter songs. And then we're going to go and do this. And then we're going to end with this this more even quiet, uh, mournful thing with Buckets of Rain. So, yeah, it is just a masterpiece of a song um it's hard to again it's hard to wrap your brain around that that uh he could sit there and write these songs like how this came to him this all these songs came to him in such a mad rush and yet they were like virtually sort of flawless i mean there really isn't anything on that record that you could point to and say ah that one's kind of a bum this one it's just it's just an amazing document and yeah i am kind of amazed we haven't gotten to shelter from the storm at this point but i mean it's there's so many songs to pick from that even there's even some blood on the track songs still left to go it's uh yeah i mean if anyone who has had any kind of heartbreak it's like don't think twice it's all right and this album you know is mm-hmm. is our essential listenings whether you're a dylan fan or not you know and, and you know in terms of up to me musically they're they're almost identical um there it's just three chords e a b and the way dylan there's a very easy way to play it It, it's the third song i ever learned to play on guitar uh, about 15 Hmm. years ago and it's just that you can move your you can keep the same chord shape and move your hand to different frets three different frets up and down the neck and that's how you play it and it's beautiful and so easy it's a great like tool for teaching guitar is uh is uh shelter from the storm and you know i uh i used to you know so i loved up to me when i heard it and i realized and i was like oh i gotta learn how to play this now i'm like oh it's the same exact song so i think like (laughs) i get why they're the same thing that why they one was chosen over the other yeah any other you know he could have put up to me on a different album and it would have been great it might not have fit what he was feeling uh, and thinking at that moment, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we have to judge these from again. We're we're judging them from what we enjoy the most hearing, and he's judging it from presumably what he wants to say right. in any given point. And that's, of course, you know, it, it's got his name on it. That's kind of that's what it's the most important thing to do is how it puts out of how it conveys what he's feeling in any given moment. And so, yeah, it is. It's just a masterpiece of a song. I never tire of hearing it again. I, I would love to know what these alternate verses were that you guys wrote. That's no. <laughs> I that's I mean, I never thought of it. Though. I mean, look, I know I have zero musical ability, so I don't know this stuff at all. But at the same time, I can see where you're coming from, that if you know that the final line in any verse has to be come in, she said, I'll give you yeah. shelter from the storm. It gives you a framework to work to work sort of backwards from. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was recording with Rob Kelly. We knew everything <laughs> about Bob. Chris oh, God, didn't please. like Budokan. <laughs> I want you to finish that and put it All up right. on Twitter. I will. I will. Okay, work I thought, on that. I promise, and I'll play it. All right, I'll, yeah. Uh, the the ver- the Bernstein series. Yeah, gotta, Bernstein just, I mean, that, so. you know, th- this song means so much to me. I, I just love it. Like I said, it was the third song I ever learned to play it in guitar, you know, and this is like a super nerd thing. But uh, I was I was working at 
a, a camp um, in Wisconsin. My friend was doing a radio show at the camp radio station, and he asked me to to play with him. And you know, he did a couple originals and 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 did some Dylan songs. And we argued over who got to sing the suddenly. I turned around and she was standing there verse. You know, <laughs> I, I think I even said my friend Seth. I think I even said you can sing the whole thing. Just give me that verse. And of course, it was, it was his show, and so he didn't win. But you know, th- this song it it has nostalgia for me. It has real life current applications. Um, musically, it's perfect. Lyrically, it's perfect. Uh, every live version is perfect <laughs> even Bodican in its own way in the in the universe of that 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 album you know i said it's just it's it's a wonderful wonderful song so well thank you henry thank you for coming back on the show thank you for finally sitting down with me to talk about a specific song we had a great time talking about live live shows but i always enjoy just sitting and talking with a fellow bob fan about a particular song and this one is just one of the one of the great ones so thank you for for doing this with me thank you for having me and i you know i just want to say i really am loving the little community i've discovered on twitter which is a very strange thing to say about twitter but there's this little <laughs> yeah and like, it's mostly nazis over there yeah, yeah right so it's like this nice little group of people that just love bob dylan you know you and your friend harry hugh and dylan in london and of course laura and definitely dylan you know everyone is just like I like look forward to putting a, t- a Dylan T-shirt on on Tuesday, so you know we'll start a sparker <laughs> conversation. And um, so I feel really grateful for that. Of one of the things I've discovered during quarantine, and of course, you know, it is we're so it seems very weird to be we're so, to, to say we're so lucky to be Bob Dylan fans right now that we've had three new songs and a new album on the way during this really weird period of time. It's like, yeah, you know, if that if if this means new Bob Dylan music, keep me in quarantine forever. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, I, sometimes I do feel like, and I, maybe I shouldn't even express this out loud because it's at the risk. But sometimes the, the the Dylan community on Twitter, for the most part, is so nice. Yeah, that I almost worry. I'm like, does the rest of Twitter not know about? Right, this? <laughs> I know. Don't tell them, by the way. Yeah, no, I don't gonna say anything. But it's just like because I mean, I've wandered into some other fan communities, oh, God. Uh, and boy, it is it is ugly out there. Talk about hard rain, and yet yeah. this is like the Dylan group is so kind of nice. I'm like, I we we must just be flying under the radar, which. I'm perfectly happy to keep up because we don't we don't need the rest of Twitter getting involved. In this. So anyway, community on Facebook is not as nice. Just so you know, <laughs> I, I, I have I have heard that. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, well, again, thank you so much for coming back. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the Internet? Great. Um, you can if you're interested in comic books and Jewish content um i have a podcast called funny they don't look jewish and you can uh follow us on twitter at jewish comics pod and uh, i'm also on twitter at gonzo 3249 if you want to say anything about dylan or superman or uh or jewish comics that's where you can find me it's a never-ending battle yes (laughs) never-ending battle um (laughs) so uh, anyway yes thank you so much of course uh as we just mentioned you can we were always talking Bob over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. You can listen to the show on our website, firewaterpodcast.com, and on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you want to support the Firewater Podcast Network, go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, and another pledger who will remain masked and anonymous for their support of Pod Dylan. That's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will uh, see you later. Bye-bye. It was in another lifetime, one of toil and blood. 
When blackness was a virtue, the road was full of mud. I came in from the wilderness, a creature void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. And if I pass this way again, you can rest assured. I'll always do my best for her, on that I give my word. In a world of steel-eyed death and men who are fighting to be warm. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. I'm living in a foreign country, but I'm bound to cross the line. 